Assalamu alaikum everyone. Hello, good evening. Welcome back to Mindful Moments. We are your Friday night show all about you and your well-being and keeping you uh, tip-top condition your, your mind, body and soul. How are you today? I hope you've had a good week. As you know, my name is Farah. I'm your host. Um, I hope you've had a good week. It's been quite a long week for me feeling quite drained I'll be very honest um, and I'm trying to make sure I focus on my well-being just trying to take some time out um, when I'm feeling a bit overwhelmed or like this, as if there's too much to do uh, one thing I know that helps me for sure is uh, sort of saying no to things that I don't feel are necessary so that I have more time for my headspace and some time at home to myself. So for example, some social activities that I can turn down um, or extra classes if, if you go to those um, and you don't need to. Anyway, just remember to take some time out for yourself. Uh, we'll dive right into the topic because as you know, I always run out of time and I've always got a great guest on my show, alhamdulillah. Um, Today we are continuing uh, on our series on domestic abuse and as you know in the previous episodes, check them out if you haven't checked them out, uh, we've had guests uh, talking about uh, abuse or, and domestic violence from a community perspective, how our community can help uh, the victims and also you know talking about the key signs of abuse and how to spot spot them whether you're going through them yourself or you can see a family member or friend going through this. Uh, and then we've also had uh, guests speaking about trauma from after the abuse and the importance of healing and therapy and the different approaches for that. Uh, today, I have a very special guest whose uh, name is Habiba, and she works in domestic, a domestic abuse service, looking uh, using both um, working both in the helpline section and also as a specialist practitioner in domestic violence. If you have any questions on today's show or if you want to get in contact with me or give us your opinions or thoughts, please get in contact. And I do like to hear what you all think, um, especially in our in our community of Luton. Uh, this this topic is very commonplace, unfortunately, and uh, we, we are trying to tailor it more towards the Muslim South Asian community of Luton in order to to guide and help. But of course, it's accessible and translate transferable information and advice for everyone uh, so if you do want to get in contact give us a ring uh, contact us on social media on facebook instagram whatsapp and also uh, you can email in to us at info at inspirefm.org okay let's get right into it salam alaikum habiba salam. how are you doing i'm very well alhamdulillah how are you Yes, alhamdulillah, I'm okay. Um, like I said, I'm tired, but this is a really important topic and, I, and I'm and i really, really grateful to have you on. So thank you for your time. Um, I know it's precious and, and we, we've all got things going on in our lives, um, alhamdulillah. Yeah. Um, so just to start off with Habiba, where so you work in a helpline and you work you work with domestic violence, domestic abuse. Uh, where, where How did you get become involved in this um, and interested in this topic? It's a very simple story, actually. I used to work in uh, international development, but a lot of my work was very um, male-focused or male-dominated, and I just really wanted to support women and do something to help women. Um, I know lots of Muslims um, aren't fans of 
of feminism but um <laughs> it, it can mean different things to different people and um so i started volunteering for a domestic abuse service um it was a helpline and i i was just blown away by the impact that it was making and how many people um are affected by domestic abuse um i didn't really know much about domestic abuse before i joined the helpline actually um mm -hmm. and that was it for me i was like this is what i want to do and so i i changed my career since then okay marshall have had you not been exposed to anyone or people perhaps that you'd heard of be like sort of being in domestic abuse involved in oh it? absolutely I'd, I'd heard stories um yeah you know of people eh, look everybody knows somebody who is experiencing or has experienced um some yes. form of abuse um, and so that was there but i i wouldn't say that i understood the dynamics of domestic abuse or right. um, you know why women don't leave or any of these kind of things mm -hmm. i don't think i understood them and i i think that's quite common with the people mm -hmm. that i speak to it's not it's not that they don't care or they don't want to understand it's just you know communities aren't aware of these issues or how to effectively respond to somebody who might be experiencing this? Yeah, 100%. I think you're exactly right. And, and that that's a really good point you've put up is why women don't leave. And sometimes we're incredulous when we hear that, uh, you know, someone's going through 20 plus years of domestic violence, being physically attacked on a regular basis, but they're still with their partner. Um, and just to understand the psychology behind that must be fascinating. And I'm mm. sure you've had a lot of insight to that um what sorts of things do you on the helpline do you do do you sort of um hear or, or what what things get reported to you mm. so the helpline is basically a 24-hour service um anyone can right. contact any time of the day or night um oh so it's a hotline then absolutely yeah 365 okay, days a year. um sure. we come across every form of gender-based violence um so i mean a lot of you hear me say violence and abuse interchangeably. We do prefer to use domestic abuse, but a lot of agencies will say actually abuse is a violation of your of your rights, and and therefore that is violence. Yeah. So you hear me say both. Um, yeah. You know, we come across um, all forms of abuse. So whether it is um, honor based violence, psychological abuse, physical abuse, uh, sexual abuse, emotional abuse, um, you know, any kind of intimidating behavior, control, um, coercion, you name it, we've come across it. Um, you know domestic abuse is so so common in so many different communities no one you know a lot of people will think oh it couldn't happen to me or i would never let this happen to me um but you'll be surprised we've had like head of safeguarding head teachers police officers social workers all sorts contacting the service for support wow oh because yeah. they personally or because they know someone that's of course. oh right okay yeah we have, we have I have colleagues that have experienced abuse. Um, you know, I I've survived abuse. It's not it's not that it can't. There's no one that is exempt. It can happen to anyone. And often when you're in that situation, if you don't see it until you kind of look back. So if it's for example, if it's physical abuse or sexual abuse, sometimes it's very clear to say, oh look, I've got you know this injury or I've got I've been hit or this is what happened. And yeah. that's quite clear. It's easy to explain to someone that this is what happened. Um, or sometimes there's evidence you have a bruise or a broken bone or something like that. But when it comes to like emotional abuse or control or coercion and things like that, some some people argue that sometimes it can be a lot harder to speak out or look for support because it's hard to explain and, and sometimes it's hard for people to understand. And and I, I would often, say 
Sorry to cut you off. Um, I would also say it's hard to actually spot, especially when it's emotional or psychological. Someone might even not. It's it's harder in that sense because you need to first identify that you're going through it. Whether it was like you said, physical violence is very clear, right? Yeah, I think I, so. Look, there's a cycle of abuse, isn't there? Often um, yeah. there'll be like a cooling period. So there'll be the abuse, and then there'll be the cooling period where they'll maybe they'll apologize and say, "I'll never do it again. I'll fix up, whatever." Or they'll do something really, really nice, even if they ignored that they did that abusive behavior, yeah. and then you know so you think oh he's back to that nice person that I knew and then and then the abuse will happen again and then back into that cycle and so if somebody's saying to you oh look but I um you know I bought you some flowers and I took you on a holiday and I did x y and z you're being so ungrateful mm-hmm. um and and you do start to question you do start to think actually am I overreacting or look he is changing and and that's how they play mind games this is like mm-hmm. a tactic it's like all perpetrators have been to the same university and learned the same skills <laughs> I wonder what that university is I, I do think it as a our previous guest spoke about it it's the university of childhood trauma or childhood mm. issues unfortunately that's yeah, our it's university. Not an excuse, you know and um, people have everybody carries some sort of trauma it's not an excuse to be abusive of course, of course. so for example look where a lot of people will not identify that most agencies most specialist services um and within the law, children are recognised as victims of domestic abuse in their own right if they see, hear or experience effects of abuse. So even if it's not directed at a child, just the fact that they're in that environment, even if they're not in that room, they can tell that, oh, you know, mum's really upset or she's been crying or whatever. And so they are also survivors of abuse. And nobody even thinks about that. You know, obviously, if that mm-hmm. abuse is directed to a child, then that's child abuse. So there's so many forms of abuse that a lot of people aren't even aware of. Um, and I think it's just really important to raise that awareness and have those conversations with each other. You know, sometimes it can be a very kind of taboo subject or, you know, keep things within the home, you know, resolve it between yourselves. But it's really important to get that support if it's needed. Yeah. And um, you were just mentioning taboo. Uh, I completely agree. And actually, one of the things I wanted to ask you, you mentioned honour based violence. Obviously, mm. we I'm sure a lot of us have heard of honour killings. Um, mm. But what other sorts of violence uh, would occur in terms of honor is this more for example especially within our community um uh is it more to do with for example if a girl has been divorced or if uh, an engagement has broken off or there's been uh you know extra marital um relations uh for for a woman or or a man but i suppose this happens more with the women um what what happens what have you experienced or heard sorry so look domestic abuse I mean it's called gendered violence or violence against women and girls because it is a gendered issue it happens disproportionately to women because Mm -hmm. they're women or females and because of society's perceptions towards women I'm not saying it doesn't happen to men of course it happens to men but it happens disproportionately to women and and statistically even speaking um majority of uh, like domestic abuse incidents that are reported to the police have been male-on-male violence or a male family member or a same-sex partner. Um, often when a woman is reported for abuse, it's reactive abuse. Somebody's been uh, abused for a lengthy period of time and then they've reacted or somebody's pushed them against the wall, so they've pushed back. Um, you know, there's a famous case of Ahluwalia. There's a film on it as well called Provoked, um, where she's she's basically been abused for years and years and years. Mm. And then one day she kind of snaps and, and she she's trying to stop him from chasing after her and he ends up dying. And that's reactive abuse. And in that case, the judge even acknowledged that women react differently to men. So when a man is angry or when something happens, he will react immediately. Where a woman, she will have to wait until it's safe for her to react. 
Um, so if anybody wants to watch that film or read up on that case, that's quite interesting. So back to your question in terms of honor-based violence. Yes, the things that you've mentioned, but also it can be something as simple as she's not dressing how she should be, or this is not how we do things in our family and she's not complying with how we do things mm -hmm. in our family. Therefore, she must be punished or therefore there must be a negative consequence. Um, so the honour is with the, the appearance that the family has. So is it, as uh, we say, in an yes. Urdu or the dignity... Um, respect that is possibly so-called compromised by this right it's the image with other people okay. yes yeah. yeah okay interesting okay and um so when people do contact you on the helpline why why are they contacting you what's the sort of reasons is it because they need uh, an immediate i mean uh, i'm sure they'd initially think to call the police if they were in immediate danger but what sort of things no, do you not Oh, really? Interesting. Sometimes people question themselves. They, they're not sure if, it, if that's the right place to call. Look, I, I say this to most of my clients. Just because you've experienced abuse doesn't mean that the, the love you have for that person will switch off. You're still entitled yeah, to that emotion. When you love someone, it's really hard to do something that might result in a negative consequence. And often people think if I report to the police, one, it could result in, you know, they could get in trouble or something bad will happen and I will be responsible or they're worried about that abuse escalating. Um, and that's why sometimes people reach out to a confidential service where they can say, actually, this is what's happening. What should I do? Mm -hmm. Or this is how I'm feeling. Often people don't want to do anything practically. They just want that emotional support. I just want to go back to the point I made earlier. Whatever consequence there is when you report something or when you reach out for help and you're a survivor of abuse, Whatever the consequences, you are not responsible for that. The person who's being abusive is responsible for the consequences of their actions. So when you're trying to protect yourself or safeguard yourself or seek help for yourself, whatever consequence that is on the perpetrator, that's on them. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so they, they initially contact you. Primarily, a lot of people contact you for the confidentiality and also, I guess, to seek advice of, as to what to do next without it possibly, in some situations, without it causing harm to their partner if they're yes. still so the main bit is emotional support safety planning um mm -hmm. some people want to go to a women's refuge some people want advice on in terms of if they need to apply for housing um how do i have this conversation with my children um you know what are the dynamics of abuse i'm not even sure if this is abuse um okay that's really you know, what are my rights there's lots of people who have an insecure immigration status they have no recourse to public funds yeah. and they think they have no rights in the uk and we have mm. to explain to them actually that's not true in terms of safeguarding in terms of safety there are options available to people um so okay. yeah well, very very diverse and and mashallah like you've probably got all the resources and and you have to be very um yeah resourceful to to offer the various bits of advice to them i guess um mm -hmm. Okay, so in terms of obviously you don't specifically work for a Muslim-based um, abuse service, but what's have you? I'm, I'm sure you've experienced uh, or had uh, cases from the Muslim community. Uh, what's your what's your experience with them, and how how does it vary compared to the, the wider or general public? So look, the different types of abuse, it would be the same, I guess. You know emotional abuse, physical abuse, et cetera, et cetera. What often happens within the Muslim community and, and within other religious communities, there's a lot of spiritual abuse. Uh, so it's not just culture. Um, often religion is used as a form of kind of a tactic, a, a tool of manipulation, an excuse for the behaviour. Um, you know, so, you know, I can do this because 
the religion allows me to do this. And and look, there's no faith, no, not just Islam. There is no religion that allows the abuse of women in any way. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, whatever text they, they try to use, it is something that they've twisted and manipulated yes. to kind of excuse themselves because they know that they are wrong. Um, so spiritual abuse is something we often find, um, you know, from people of any any faith background. Um, yeah. There's nothing specific to the Muslim community otherwise. Um, okay. You know, yeah okay. that, that, that's fine so spiritual abuse things. seems like the the key thing and and i definitely uh can echo that in and hearing lots of things in the community and especially men saying you know i i can do this but as you're as i'm the protector of the household i need to know where you are at all times for example or uh you know using uh, you abusing certain things and and like you said twisting and manipulating parts of the, mm. the religious texts and it's just a real shame yeah. Um, yeah, and often it's not just one person. It can be like a family unit that's been abusive. It can be, right, you know, yes. you know, in-laws. It can be a- anyone, you know. So I think often people think when it's domestic abuse, it's just husband and wife or, you know, your partner. Yes. It can be a- anyone that you have an intimate relationship with or a family member or, you know, it could even be, for example, somebody with a disability who has a carer can, mm. can be considered, you know, domestic abuse because their relationship with the person they're caring for is an intimate relationship. Like, you know, often... Their, their carer will be like changing their clothes for them etc um you know so it can it can be anyone i think so i heard this quote i can't remember who said it but she said something um along the lines of there's no such thing as the voiceless there are only the deliberately silenced and the preferably unheard well okay hang on. i need to i need to process that heavy bits <laughs> it's a late evening there is no such thing as the voiceless it, it's either so there is the deliberately silenced or okay. the preferably unheard and okay. I think it's really important to think about that when we look at um, people who have experienced abuse because often perpetrators want to silence them, you know. Mm-hmm. And when when people are seeking support, they normally speak to someone that they know. And that first response that they get is such a crucial response because if that response is unhelpful, often that can kind of deter someone from reaching out for support from a stranger, a service, because um, they think, oh, if my sister is not understanding, why would somebody yes, else know? why would someone else who doesn't yeah. know my situation, right? That's, yeah. but oftentimes the family is, because of, uh, again, and like you said, it, well, this is more generational cycles of abuse. If that's what your family have grown up seeing and being normalised to, they will assume that it's normal or they will think it's a normal thing to, you know, do quote-unquote suburb, which, which is obviously... Mm-hmm again misused um mm. whereas obviously someone from an outside perspective sometimes can just see it so much clearer right mm. I think look I feel like often we will hear people say this is how we've always done it so that's how we should do it mm. but you know I think we all become adults at some point and there's a point where you can analyze and you can figure out for yourself what's right and wrong and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with culture and tradition or anything like that, but when you know something is wrong or something is toxic or unhelpful or abusive, I feel like Allah's given everybody the ability to figure that out for themselves. So it's, it's, it's a huge cop out to say, this is how we've done it. We've always done it. Or this is how we do it in our family, because you know what? That's not good enough. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, it, it comes down to self-awareness, I think. And, mm-hmm. and, and actually, you know, not just blindly following and just using that as a, an excuse in a way it that's mm-hmm. a good point um I, it's actually quite a refreshing perspective um what moving on to sort of practical things because um 
it's always nice to give people some advice on what they can do or what how we can uh, evolve and change our community in order to support each other more and also I guess reduce these horrible incidences um what what do you think that our and when i say our i mean the muslim community uh needs to do to help people or, or the victims in in the domestic violence or domestic abuse situations how how can it cha how can we change the landscape of what we're witnessing right now uh mm -hmm. but both for people who are experiencing it and also if you have any advice on prevent prevention of of uh abuse to actually occur mm. i think prevention of abuse is a difficult one i think i mean people don't like to hear these kind of terminologies but like toxic masculinity and the way the way society perceives men and women um you know there's a sense of entitlement isn't there but sometimes it can be the matriarch that is abusive not not even a man um i think in terms of prevention, I think it's education from a very early age on how to respect other people and autonomy and things like that. And I think also just learning the deen, I think um, there's a lot of power in knowledge. And so if somebody is trying to, you know, manipulate the religion to kind of control you or abuse you, you know that's wrong because you have that education. I think prevention is a, is a tricky one and, uh, you know, I don't have the answer to that, but I, definitely education is something from a very young age in terms of how, how to interact with people and how to respect other people. Um, in terms of how best to respond to someone, always remember, always remember that the survivor is the expert in their own safety because they have been keeping themselves safe in that environment yes. up till now. Um, I think it's, you have to remember, look, there are different statistics for this, so it depends on the community that you come from. But in general, a woman will make seven attempts to leave a perpetrator before she actually leaves. So she's tried, you know, it's not like, and there's lots of uh, reasons why people don't leave. I mean, um, you know, if you Google uh, women's aid or refuge, um, there's a lot of information on why women don't leave. Um, you know, it's really Can you interesting. Give us a, a couple of examples. Yeah, look, so love is one of them. I think community is expecting you to, you get married, yes? You, you, you see a life with someone and you, and you want that life. There's a cycle of abuse. So somebody's saying, I'm sorry, I won't do it again. Or they're doing nice things. You have children, you have joint assets. Um, you know, all the things that you're gonna leave behind are tangible. Yes. You know, your house, your car, you know, your children's school, um, you know, whatever you have, you've built together. Um, the things that you're working towards, if you leave, so for example, freedom, safety, um, you know, autonomy, these are not tangible things. So when you're trying to balance the pros and cons in terms of why I should stay and why I should leave, you know, it's hard to let go of what's tangible, what's here and now, what I can see, what is quote unquote secure for mm. something that I can't see, what's not tangible, it's something in the future. You know, sometimes you'll have people say, I'll oh, be patient, they'll make excuses for that person, you know, somebody will promise to change, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. There's so, you know, this I could go on <laughs> forever about this. So there's just there's so many reasons why women don't leave or No, I, I'm sure there's a, there's many and I know from those around me that people didn't leave because of financial security as well and, and mm. fear for their children, you know, and especially mm. if they're dependents on them, or how they're going to be looked after, especially if the woman doesn't work or is from another country. Mm. Um, okay, so we're coming towards the end of this show. So mm. um, how, how if someone 
for example, if someone makes a disclosure to me um, or, or someone who's listening here on the show that uh, I am being abused and I need help and, and you know, my, my husband or my family member is actually physically hitting me or they don't, they perhaps won't say this all immediately, but if there's some sort of sign or alarm, what's yep. the, very briefly, if you could, um, yep. maybe the first thing to do. Okay, so look, Often people won't be that clear when they're talking about abuse. Um, it's really important to just acknowledge that, you know, I believe you and, uh, you know, it must be really hard for you to share this experience with me. Just support them at their own space, uh, at, support them in at their own pace. Um, show kindness, you know, kindness goes a long way. Like, how would you feel if you were upset and you were trying to talk to someone and, and they kind of cut you off or they said something unhelpful? For example, you know, often people say, oh, you know, he's so nice when I see him. That's an unhelpful response. Um, just be mindful um, that, you know, whatever decision is to be made is it's their decision. Um, you don't want to tell them what to do. You just want to help them um, and empower them to feel confident in their own abilities and strengths and make a decision on their own. And whatever their decision is, support them to get there. Um, okay. And, and also signpost them to specialist services if that's something you're able to do. Yes, please, before we end the show, please yes. do give a shout out one or two services that someone can reach out to if they need help. So I'll give you numbers for two different services. One is the National Domestic Abuse Helpline. They also have a website if anybody wants to check it. The number is 0808-2000-247. It's a 24-hour service, 365 days a year. And then there's another service specific for... I mean, it, they don't just support Muslim women, but it was set up specifically for Muslim women. It's called the Muslim Women's Network. And the number is 0800-999-5786. Thank you so much, Habiba. We have hit the end as we always do. And I'm so appreciative of your time. Thank you for sharing those tips and, and your insights. And I appreciate that. Inshallah, everyone, I'll speak to you and, and hear from you and uh, you will hear from me next week. Assalamu alaikum.